Nintendo. Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat for the week of November, thir- uh, Friday the 13th. Oh, man. Ooh. Yeah, it's December 13th. I almost said November. Well, that's uh, we got some bad news, so that's, yeah, <laughs> that works. Yeah, you kind of wish it was November. Um, sure. So I am your host, Jose Otero, and you are listening to a podcast all about Nintendo brought to you by IGN. Joining me this week is Per Schneider. Hello. What's up, Per? How you doing, sir? I'm good. You sound a lot better than I do, and we were at the same party. Yeah, we How had our, our we had our Christmas party yesterday, the uh, IGN Christmas Happy Hour mm-hmm. with some of the other folks from our parent company, Ziff Davis, and uh, you know, I didn't I, I didn't do anything bad. I had to drive home. I didn't do so, anything bad yeah. either, but I sound yeah. a lot worse than yeah. You, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm more resilient. I can see. Hey, nice, nice work, you drunks. <laughs> <laughs> who's who's that fine gentleman? And that fine gentleman is uh, Brian Altano. <laughs> Thanks Straight for having out of me. Brap City. Yeah, I yeah. feel great today. I'm not hungover at all. Yep, yep, Big yep. Brapper is back. Yes. Now, hey. now, uh, also with an album. Out. I do. Yeah, yeah. I have a new album. Quickly. It's free. It's yeah. called uh, Misanthrope. You can go to misanthropealbum.com and download it. Totally free, and it's uh, instrumental. Good it, writing music. You'll you'll dig it. At least you you picked a title that's easy to Google. I've been at IGN for five years and I still don't know what it stands for. Can I suggest like a word like egg next time? (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, where do we start? Should we start with. uh, Oh, wait. Jose. Yeah, you have some very interesting news for us. Guess what what it is? It's not just December 13th, it's episode 196 or episode 244, (laughs) depending on whether you count, uh, you know, which way you count. So. Our, our uh, listeners actually helped out okay. and uh, went to IGN.com slash wiki slash NVC, a wiki we set up. And when we set it up, we, we just set it up empty and said, can you guys figure out what episode we're on? And a couple of people helped out. Um, Keisuke999, Awakened Hero, Mother3Crazy, Shmuga9, and um, you know, Peter Lopez and, and Jeremy Grant also um, pitched in on this. So first of all, thank you guys. Sincere guys, thank yous. Yeah, yeah, these guys created an episode listing with links to each episode and many of them actually it says what content is discussed it tells you who's in each episode so um awesome um you're getting all that that data out of the uh the uh, d- uh the depths of the ign uh, site and itunes and all of that so yeah. thank you so much so now we know today is episode 196 and so now we are one step closer to a yeah. possible public event yeah. can i say that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. we're working on it possible so, so i'm saying you know because we all we did to the podcast was change the name at one point after episode 48 we changed the name from week in review to nvc simply because you know um, Casa and uh, Casa wanted to be snarky back then because Nintendo didn't have any voice chat on their console, so you called it Nintendo Voice Chat because mm. you wanted to be an ass. Um, <laughs> but it's the same podcast, you know. We continued it, so we are officially on episode 244, and we do want to celebrate episode 250 in some special way. So, you know, nothing's confirmed yet. Brian uh, is looking into this as well. If we can do a, a live event here at the IGN offices, probably at the beginning of February. 
you yeah. know, yeah. around the time that we're hitting episode 250. Um, so if you if you live in the Bay Area or close by, you can drive in. You know, put it tentatively on your calendar. Um, we'd love to do something where we all get together, get maybe some past members of the IGN podcast family on the show and maybe some folks from Nintendo history and just do this kind of Nintendo fans unite slash street pass slash celebration of Nintendo history. Sounds awesome. So yeah. let's uh, let's dive into last week's question of the week, which we asked. Uh, it was our spoiler episode. Um, some folks have and have not heard it. Thank you for listening. If you have, if you're waiting, don't worry about it. You can always get to it later. That's the beauty of the internet for you right there. So we asked, though, um, of all these Zelda items, the recurring Zelda items, which one would you like to you know never see again? Which one would you like them to drop? And we also, as a side question, asked, what would you like them to bring back? So I'll give you guys a few seconds to think about that if you oh, I'm want. Ready. You ready? Go. Yeah. What do you got? Bow and arrow. Bow and arrow. Yeah, I don't need it anymore. I feel like it was a... a very early projectile weapon that they've been holding on to just because of the sentimental value of it. I do appreciate when it's used towards the end of Zelda games where mm-hmm. they're just like, you know, there's been a few Zelda games where it's just like, you got to use the light, light arrows yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And there's sort of a, a symbolic power for it there. But in terms of projectile weapons, um, it's been beaten by pretty much everything else like uh, the boomerang's better the the hook shot's better at times like i mean there's there's multi-targeting with all of those other items so i don't i feel like the bow and arrow is sort of clunky cumbersome it's it goes with his like old school elf attire and stuff like that but in terms of well it's it's very fantasy that's the problem right and since zelda is a fantasy it almost feels like it sort of belongs there but i I hear your argument it does and i think it's really just there for sentimental value and historical value but i mean it's the legend of zelda is based on kind of classic tolkien stuff right i mean let's let's face it he's an elf and elves have bows and arrows, you know. They make cookies, kind of, too. You don't see of, Keebler elves? You know, yeah, you know exactly. No, but it, obviously it's like Dungeons and Dragons lore and all that. That's kind mm-hmm. of like the image of an elf, right? Yeah, but, okay. That's It's weird to me that, like, that would hold it back because it's also, my image of an elf doesn't have, like, Fair a enough. talking bird hat like he did in Minish Cap. Well, yeah, he can't it, turn well, into a painting like he did in the last one. It's interesting, though, because <laughs> Zelda does follow some classic fantasy tropes, yeah. but it also doesn't. Like, when was the last time you saw a dragon? Nah. You know, like Zelda does carefully play around with that once in a while, but it's not like an every game needs a dragon yeah. Yeah. versus every game needs a cannon. Uh, one of the, yep. the coolest bosses in Ocarina of Time was a dragon. That's true. And the um, original Zelda had tons of dragons. So, um, yeah, I can. I hear you. Obviously, they don't call Link an elf in the series either. I just feel like, you know, that it, it matches his image so nicely when you, when you think about that type of character. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I love using the bow and arrow, but... I mean, uh, did you say which one you want to get rid of? Yeah, the bow and arrow, and you said yeah. which one you want to bring back as well? Bring back, like, we've never seen, like, we haven't seen it in a well, while. Yeah. Well, see, that? yeah, that's a tougher one. I mean, I I, I, re- I really love the Rock's Feather when it first came out. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's it, it. we didn't have that in The Link Between Worlds. Like, there wasn't a, a jump mechanic. So something like that was really cool. I think that was the one thing that separated Link's Awakening and The Link Between Worlds for me was that jumping and I was kind of hoping when you got that cyclone wind item that you'd be able to do stuff like that but they didn't yeah. really play with that too much well so, we just we just played uh, Four Swords as part of our Let's Play Zelda series which, right. we, which we restarted you know sorry for the break guys mm-hmm. but uh, it, w- it was hard to find them link cables how's that, uh, <laughs> how's that game hold up 
Um, it's you uh, know what the music and it, it's it's okay. Uh -huh. It's it's really fun when you play multiplayer, obviously, but it's just not. It's the only Zelda you want to turn the sound down. Yeah, really. But but yeah. also the the dungeons are randomized, so like the brilliance of the puzzle design in in Zelda games is kind of lost in there. Yeah, right? I don't think I, I ever realized yeah. that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, but um, but that has the ability to pick up you know jumping power, for example, and all that. So, yeah. yeah, no, definitely. So uh, from uh, some feedback from our fans, uh, Clytop. Uh, Kyle Octopus. There we go. That's an easy Let's, name to go. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get rid of the bomb chews. Um, they're hard to control, and puzzles integrated with them aren't that clever. As for which items should return, I enjoyed uh, the Beetle and Skyward Sword. So probably that. I would love to control the Beetle in, Z Beetle in Zelda. You. Oh, I, think, I like that. I yeah. think he's absolutely right because the bomb chew was kind of a was very much like the beat like the beetle you you control something that's uh, far away from you you know and usually you threw bombs and the bomb shoot just kind of did the same thing but in a clunky and yeah. less impressive mm -hmm. way so scurried i scurried about yeah. i hadn't thought about that but i totally agree with you on that okay yeah. all right uh let's see uh pear why don't you come up with your suggestion while i well, pull up some more I, you know, I would. I think the hook shot and grapple. One of them needs to go because they basically they they are the same item in a way, right? I almost feel like the the grapple because the the rope, you know, you can swing on it is the superior item, and I just really love the combat in Wind Waker where you go, yeah, you know, and hit yeah. people and and steal stuff. I I love the the hook shot too because it's so iconic. But you know, both items in one game, I feel like is overkill. Yep. You know, give me one item that lets lets me cross a chasm. You know, not not two. And then the one I want to bring back is uh, I want to see the crossbow in a real game. Hmm. I really, you know, oh, crossbow, from training crossbow training was so <laughs> weird, right? That this this character is known for everything but a crossbow, and they make this crossbow training game simply because it matched that that silly shooter shell. Yeah. Um, but how cool would that be if you had a little bit more choice over your projectile weapons, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so that it's not just upgrading your sword, but you you can actually you have a little bit more choice. Yeah. You know? I will say the bow and arrow got a lot better uh, with the Wii, I thought, just because you using the pointer control gave you that precision. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed that. I do think like FPS controls work great and all that, I but did I did kind of like that. I actually, I like the, um, I like some of that stuff on, and the two touchscreen Zeldas, the DS ones, hmm. um, okay. being able to like uh, target multiple targets was kind of cool. Yep. So uh, Ra Robrius1986 says, I'd like to never see the slingshot again. I'd rather just have the bow. Um, I'd also like to see spells make a comeback, like the medallions from A Link to the Past, uh, Din's Fire, Nairu's Love, Fiori's Wind uh, from Ocarina of Time, etc. I mean, they, they kind of did with A Link Between Worlds, right? You had that ice and fire rod, which sort yeah. of... Yeah, I yeah feel but like it still so works like a projectile versus, I don't know, is there a different way to do magic? Mm. Yeah, perhaps. Well, I mean, you have like magic armor and that kind of stuff in, in some of the games. Um, I... I was never into the spells. I always felt like they were really overpowered, and mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. He's he's definitely right about the slingshot, though, because yeah. that just feels like the most rudimentary thing you get very early on, and it's there's no, there will never be like a, a mechanism to keep something that worthwhile all the way to the end of the game when yeah. you have boomerangs and you have bow and arrows and hook shots. Like it's just a stunning device, right? Yep. I feel like it's a stepping stone device where yeah. it's like you upgrade, right? You start with a slingshot, then you gradiate to to the bow and arrow or something else. Crossbow. Yeah. But in, um, in Link to the Past, they did, uh, excuse me, in Ocarina of Time, they did separate it so that young Link was using the slingshot all the time, whereas yeah. adult Link was using the bow and arrow. So it had. Some sort of context, I guess, because he was too young to use it. Yeah. 
Yeah, although that changed in Majora's Mask. But Solid Phoenix says, probably the boomerang he would like to never see again. Uh, I think I used it twice the whole time in A Link Between Worlds. The hook shot can be used for the same uh, stunning guys and grabbing things from far away. I think the boomerang needs a renaissance. I have to agree with, with some folks on that. I think the touchscreen games had a cool idea in that you were drawing it. I did like that in Twilight Princess, it had uh, a bigger function as something that would trigger puzzles. Yeah. Because um, it, you know, it was the boomerang of Gales kind of thing. Um, and that's not the one I would necessarily say get rid of or I wouldn't want to see. But I do think it needs some change. I, I mean, here's... You, you, you got so used to the feel of the boomerang that it's not special anymore, right? The first time you use the boomerang to hit a faraway target, you're like, awesome, right? Yeah. Then they did, they did the upgrade where you hit multiple targets. You're like, oh, man, that's so cool to do, like, like throw it in a circle. Yeah. What they need to do now is make it a combat item. Like where when you throw it, Link does like cool moves. Like yeah. maybe he flips when he when or he jumps for it to catch it. Like mm -hmm. if they make it feel great, I think people would love it. Because the mechanics of hitting something that's far away is really cool. Totally. Right? Or, yeah, or yeah, getting yeah. something back to you. You can't really do that with a bow and arrow. I, th I think it needs to be combined with the hook shot, actually. Because mm -hmm. I mean, I like... What he's talking about is like the hook shot replaces the boomerang, but the thing that sucks about the hook shot is once you throw it, you're kind of locked into that position. Whereas the boomerang, you have the mobility of being able to be like, I'm going to throw the boomerang and I'm going to walk to the other side of the room and it's going to come back to me and it's going to smack a bunch of dudes in the face on the yeah. way back. Yeah. Hook shot, you're like, I'm standing on the square, I'm going to throw this thing and it's going to come back to me. Okay, yeah, I got it. Yeah. I got it. So you first get the boomerang mm -hmm. and then later you get a rope upgrade that you that you attach to yes. the boomerang. And then when you throw it, you can use it as a grapple to like swing, but you can also throw it at enemies and, and basically wrap the cord around them Ooh. and then you can yank and on pull it. them towards yeah. you i love that yeah, yeah that's, that that's cool. really awesome let's, let's i like it, it. i like right, it I'm, I'm working on it right now all right my last <laughs> maybe you can make a zip line out of it too i'm only Ooh. gonna that would be cool that's almost like tomb raider yeah yep. um yeah uh so i'll only give a suggestion because we got to wrap this segment up um i will only give a suggestion for something i think they should try to not revisit as often and i think a link between worlds is proof of that but we'll see with the console installment or not i feel like after ocarina of time the musical item just sort of became something that was maybe shoehorned into some of these Zeldas. I think Spirit Tracks shoehorned it in, for example, because you had to use like the stylus in a weird way mm -hmm. to move this flute around and blow into the microphone. I think Skyward Sword used it in a terrible way, like yeah. this whole fan left and right. You got to keep fanning just like you're stringing a harp. I'm like, no, actually, I don't. This sounds terrible. Yep. Um, I think music is a very important part of Zelda, but I think that Zelda can still sort of exist without an item that requires you to play a song. And A Link Between Worlds did that, right? There was no musical item um, that sort of forced you to use it as a, as a key or as a, a MacGuffin or whatever. Um, and I'm glad for that. So I hope that that lesson has been learned. Because I feel like, especially in Skyward Sword, it was a big letdown that it was just a glorified key in a sense. Yeah. And, it, and it almost didn't need to be there. Although, yeah. I think, wasn't there a song you could play turn night to day? Something like that? It's been a while. Yeah, I haven't played it in a long I'm time. I'm not sure. It's been a long yeah. time. Song. Anyway. Yeah. There's a song, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, on to some more recent events. Uh, this week, this past weekend uh, at the VGX Awards, uh, we had Reggie on stage. Uh, anticipation was building. People had some outlandish theories from you their guys, shows. You guys are so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So Seriously. crazy. I saw all these things that they're going to announce. Some of you. Not all of you. Yeah. And... I, you know, I kept on saying, guys, don't get your hopes up. It's going to be like a Smash Brothers character. Turns out it was lamer than that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It wasn't, I, I was hoping for a Mario Kart reveal because, you know, Donkey Kong is coming. But Nintendo traditionally 
focuses their messaging and their marketing on the next product. And the next product is Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Mm -hmm. The Cranky Kong story leaked last week early. um, And so everyone knew what was coming. And rather Mm -hmm. than change some of those plans, they went out there with that anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is... This is what happens. It's it's hard to stop these things. They have so many moving parts. Like I mean, we've seen this for years where things leak. Like I think the PSP uh, Go leaked, and so mm-hmm. we knew about it months before. And Sony right. got on stage, and they're just like, "Hey, we have a thing that you all know about, but here it is anyway." I mean, <laughs> yeah. they have to sort of formally explain everything. You know, it's like you get your Christmas. You find out what your Christmas presents are early if you dig around, but you still have to wait till Christmas to open them up. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I've been I've been doing this long enough. Both. On this side, working at IGN, and as just a big Nintendo fanboy reading IGN, to know that I set my expectations very low for Nintendo stuff, (laughs) so that when stuff happens, I'm rewarded rather than disappointed. Like, it's sort of like cynical optimism, where you expect the worst but hope for the best. And it works. I mean, they they usually have one year, they have really weak announcements, where they're really excited about something that we're not that excited about. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm thinking of the Pac-Man year, and some of that stuff and Wii music. And then the next year they got freaking killer stuff, right? Where you're yep. like, oh my God, I can't I can't believe they're finally doing the Zelda game I want. Or, you know, look at Metroid Prime and all that, right? Yeah. So um yeah. I mean I think that's a good uh, that's a good attitude to have with everything though. You know, it's not like the other guys are always knocking us out. They you know, they just do a they push PR more actively than <clears throat> Nintendo does and they definitely have a bigger lineup of, of software through the third parties. Totally. And I I remember there were times where they were building um you know, Steam for like a big event or something like this, and you'd sit there and you go like, "They're teasing this, they're teasing that," yeah, yeah. and you were you at the time you were playing you had Nintendo consoles that didn't really have anything to do on them. Like for the VGXs, like you probably had to pause the best Zelda or the best Mario game that's come out in the last few years to hear the Cranky Kong announcement. There were worse times for Nintendo fans where it was like we hadn't had anything to play for yeah. like six months. Uh, something like the VGXs would come along and they'd be like, "Hey, there's a you know." You can unlock a plant in Pikmin. And you're like, oh, great. That's that's all I need. Or yeah, yeah. Pac-Man verse, and you're like, dude, this, your system's dying. Please give me something here. Sure. So I mean, this is a it's a really good time to be a Nintendo fan right now. Maybe not sales wise on Wii U, but we'll get into that. Yeah. But for sure. uh, I I think like to have the one of the best Zeldas and one of the best Mario's ever to come out in the last two months. And then have to read about Cranky Kong. Like, there's worse problems to have. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. Um, and to be fair, the the footage look good. The game yeah. looks cool. The Scrooge McDuck like uh, cane looks really cool. I'm excited for that. It's yeah. very it's very Ducktales. Yeah. Right? So yeah. basically, you can play as Cranky Kong in mm-hmm. the new Donkey Kong yeah. country, and he hops around mm-hmm. like Scrooge McDuck. And then Reggie wore a Metroid pin yeah. that got people asking a bunch of questions. And we'll see. I mean, you know, this is and it's kind of. You know, leads into what the next topic is on this podcast, which is, you know, there are some rough waters ahead, uh, at least for Wii U. So 2013, well, it was such an amazing year for 3DS, right? Mm. Like you almost can't picture a better software year for 3DS because 2013 was so strong. Yep. You know, from Fire Emblem, Luigi's Mansion, Animal Crossing, uh, Zelda, Zelda, Pokemon, mm-hmm. you know, X and Y. Like this was uh, even, you know, a, a cheaper version of that platform is now available, which over the holiday break was like 99 bucks, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, um, in some stores. So to then turn the page and look at how their console is struggling yeah. is a bit... Uh, <sighs> well, it's disheartening, but you have to also embrace it, right? It's yeah. like when, you're, when you root for a soccer team or football for... 
whatever you guys root for. Um, and your, your team continues to, to <laughs> I don't lose. Root for football. That, that doesn't mean that it's not fun to watch the game, right? Sure. Like oh. you, you still want to watch and you're hoping for a turnaround and that team is not going away. And I yeah. feel the same way about Nintendo. The, the problem is that, and, and guys, if you're if you're listening to this and you comment on IGN, be a voice of reason. Like last week, some sales numbers via VG charts leaked and like we didn't pick them up because VG charts is bull. Dude, right? that it site, is total crap. It's a site <laughs> that says it has, um, it has retailer relations and therefore generates estimates ar around sales. And so they'll, they'll put out these numbers. Here's what happens. A, a bunch of sites pick them up. We, we, we don't pick them up. No. Um, lots of people talk about the numbers. Two weeks later, NPD numbers come out and show that the VG Charts numbers were wrong. VG Charts updates its numbers. <laughs> and so you, you, you keep on, people keep on saying, well, they were right on this. No, they weren't. They replaced the numbers. They I'm surprised that's their records. Right? I'm surprised it still exists. Yeah, then there's so, the, I mean there's the broken clock is right yeah. twice a day or whatever it is. I mean that's that's Fiji. And this is like this has been a historical pattern. This is not like one week they did this one. No, they're wrong every week. Yep. And and so there there were actually a couple of questions. First of all, they they're angry people who say IGN you only report the bad stuff about the Wii U. Guys, we love the Wii U, right? If it yeah. did well, we'd be so happy and run lots of articles about yep. it. And we run lots of articles about the games we love and and let's plays and all of that stuff. Obviously, we don't hate it, right? But we're not going to run a bold story with fake sales and we're not going to raise your hopes, right? Yesterday Nintendo um published their sales results. Yeah. And they said Wii U sales are 340% up. Is that what it was? That was the quote so, yeah. so from, October. Course, yeah, from for, october yeah from october so when was so october the responses to a lot of articles about the ps4 and the xbox one selling were like you guys are just being unfair nintendo had a huge success with 340 percent uh, increases percentage increases are based on what happened before right and in october nintendo sold 50,000 we use which is really abysmal in uh -huh. the united states which means they sold 220,000 units in november which is really bad so is that 50k yeah. number uh on the books or did we get that through sources i got that okay yeah. got it okay so it is the the wii u sold 220,700 units in november um that's leaked information um you know from uh, from industry tracking sources and um, Nintendo did not release that number because it, it's not a great number, right? And so they tell in press releases they give you the percentage increases. You can write a story about that, but I think it's disingenuous to yeah. not do it's, the research and say called, what the real yeah, story it's is. It's called spin. Yeah. Look it up. Yeah. Like, it is information being spun and, into a positive. And that's fine. And the other news is, you know, the 3DS did pretty well. It didn't It didn't do amazing either. Yeah. You know, it, it did what, like 700 well, it's been, Yeah, it's been the number one selling platform yeah. for the past five months. Like it yep. was eventually, I, I mean, it still sold really well. Yep. And then Mario sold 215K. Um, Pokemon X and Y. I'm trying to remember that number. Actually, I have it right here. Yeah, Keep look, talking. I mean, the, the sales numbers, the 3DS numbers are not bad, right? They, they're nope. good news generally. They're not amazing news, right? Okay. I'm sure Nintendo wanted to sell more than a million unit, units. And I think Nintendo wanted to sell more 2DSs as well. And the fact that they didn't break out the 2DS sales probably means they didn't do all that well. And yeah. that, you know, some of the other bundles um, actually really... Uh, yeah, I was, I was wondering about that. Like when... Nintendo's usually pretty vocal about those things, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Especially, especially, and every every publishers and and developers is very uh, vocal about when there's specific yeah. wins, like our map pack sold, blah blah blah. And the 2DS, they were very quiet on that front. So I have a feeling that unless there's a spike there eventually, um, they'll continue to fold those numbers in with 3DS. I don't know if we'll ever see specifically what that skew breaks out to, but um, I don't know. It's it's interesting to me. Like it's 
it's a really weird time. Like I said, I've been a Nintendo fan for years, and it's really weird to see, again, one of their systems is soaring and the other one is failing. And it's yeah. very Game Boy Advance and GameCube. You know, this this happened during that time. And it was very strange for me to kind of watch one of them do very well and one of them not do well at all. Yeah. So there's things that need to happen here. And I don't think that chasing the next Wii Sports is what they need. Mm-hmm. And at the same page, I don't think that an F-Zero or a Metroid are going to turn this thing around. Like, if, if Mario can't sell, Metroid will absolutely not sell. Metroid sells a fraction of what Mario sells. Yeah. You know, if, if Mario and Zelda can't do it right now, then they need to maybe bring the Pokemon and Fire Emblem people over. The Smash Brothers thing's going to help, but I think that, that div- dividing that across two platforms is going to give people the chance to play it on 3DS, so... That's that's true, yeah. We'll I, see. I, I mean, obviously, Mario Kart is Nintendo. Nintendo's biggest franchise when that comes out yeah. it is going to spike uh, sales numbers I'm sure Wii U is going to have a bundle with that title so you know I don't want to sit here and spell doomsday for the platform it's yep. going to it's going to sell it's going to continue sell Nintendo is going to m- miss their targets they're not going to sell the number they wanted to sell by the end of the fiscal year um, and you know they're going to have to make adjustments which means you know their shareholders are going to pressure Nintendo leadership into making changes those changes could be things like price drops but remember when you drop price you actually make less money on the hardware right yeah. and you mm-hmm. actually lose a little bit of money more than you would have lost yeah. on the hardware well and historically Nintendo mm-hmm. builds in a nice profit to yeah. all of their consoles so no. this is one of the first times they're not making a yep. profit yeah. And, yeah and so that means they have to make the money on software so the good news is when sales are low, that forces Nintendo to announce more projects and more products. You know, it may open them up to doing a Pokemon on iOS or something like that. You know, we'll 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 see. Yeah. Um, but it's not it's not doomsday, right? We've the 3DS is doing fine in the market, and it's a great revenue generator. So even if the Wii U just kind of meanders um, in the background and doesn't get as much software as the other platforms, you'll still get your big games, and it's still going to be a fun machine to play. Yeah, it's 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 a really weird sort of two-pronged situation with that where on one hand you know that it's a nintendo console so forever you're going to get amazing nintendo games for it until they stop making those so we're going to get three or four maybe five or six years of awesome first party nintendo games on the second prong there's the fact that when a console doesn't do well third parties don't want to mess with it and when third parties don't want to mess with it there's not a big library the better uh like if the ps4 sells a million units a month forever every play every third party in the world is gonna be like we gotta make games for that thing so you have a robust library going there but on the wii u we're just going to see a lot more nintendo stuff and if that's what you're used to and that's what you buy nintendo systems for then you're both celebrating and you're part of the problem so it's it's kind of a weird situation like i mean nothing can take away the joy that i've had this year playing um you know uh uh, Luigi or Super Mario 3D mm-hmm. World or Wind mm-hmm. Waker or any of the first party stuff that's coming next year Smash Brothers Mario Kart all that stuff's gonna be incredible it always is but uh, is that my go-to system now for third party stuff absolutely not like will it ever be probably not at this point I mean nothing's really gonna turn that around so yeah and, and the console business it's always changing right like yeah. last generation I, I think I mentioned this before is I bought most of my third-party games on Xbox 360, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the occasional occasional game on PS3 if the version was better or had something special. Now it's kind of flipped. I both buy most of my third-party titles on PS4. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, and Xbox 360 I use for exclusives. Um, what do you mean Wii, Xbox One? Uh, Xbox One and and uh, and Wii U I use for obviously for the Nintendo exclusives. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's different every generation. You know? Yeah, it is. There's no there's no. Um, 
there's no allegiance to these plastic boxes that play video games, or at least not in the mass market. I mean, the PS2 was, what, the best-selling console of all time, and then the mm -hmm. PS3 struggled for years afterwards. Mm -hmm. The Wii U sold over, well over 100, what, something, 100 million, million, million. consoles. And oh, wait, you're talking about Wii. The you Wii, Wii sold U. 100 million, yeah. and then the Wii U mm -hmm. can, you know, can barely move a quarter of a million a month. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, yeah, their total right now is like a people. Five, yeah, five people mil, are fickle now. Like everyone's back on on you know Sony's jock for the PS4. So and you know who's who, the, who knows what's going to happen next. So yeah. it's an exciting business. So it is. Don't let it get you depressed though. You know, even if you love something and other people do not share your love, you are still getting tons of enjoyment. Out. Yeah, yep. and I, I really like what you said before, Pear, about a sort of like a desperate Nintendo being pretty awesome because I mean I think we're going to get them doing some crazier, more experimental stuff. Um, I think that a lot of like the, they, they might, I don't think they're going to be chasing that Wii Sports, Wii, Wii Fit market as much the expanded anymore. audience. I really feel like there's room for that with certain people, but I, I think that that, that kind of came and went. Um, the Wii Fit stuff's been replicated now by Fitbits and stuff like that. I think a lot of those people went there mm -hmm. and Wii Sports, they tried it again as a sort of free to play model now. And it's cool that it's back, but I think that those people played that for a certain, you know, for a little bit of time, and then they stopped, like most yeah. exercise machines and fads and, and, so, and stuff like that. This desperation will jumpstart some more projects. You know, again, it's it's easy for us to say, right? Like if you are if you're assigning a development team to a game, you have to pay, right? And so you're making a bet, which is again not going to make shareholders happy because you're spending money, you're not going to see the returns for a long time. So yeah. it's it's not that easy to just say, hey, make more games, right? They, yeah. they gotta balance it. But I think I hope it it jumpstarts them a little bit on the on the on the third party relations side to you know, maybe cut some deals, right? I mean, mm -hmm. Jose, we talked about digital sales and like Nintendo gets a cut of 30% in the eShop, right? When somebody uh, sells a game through the eShop, which is exactly the same as Sony and PlayStation. Well, can Nintendo afford to take a 10% cut yeah. for every first company that publishes a game on the eShop, right? Like, are there incentive programs that they can launch um, yeah. that, that will get more people involved? Exactly, yeah. I think the real the real takeaway I had from the sales this week were what like what were the numbers for 3D World in the US? Uh, Do we know? 215 215k. How many yeah. we use are in, are in the wild in North America? Uh, I'd need more time for that. It's more than 215, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so everyone right. who didn't buy that game million. really screwed up. Like you're sitting there with a Wii U and one of the best games to come out this generation or ever just came out for your system and you didn't buy it. Sure. You know, what's the story there? No, I, and I think that's a fair point, but I think the, the fair counterpoint to that is that this is the fourth Mario game in two years. Sure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it. I almost worry that Nintendo is, is wearing out some of their core brands by bringing them back up maybe too frequently. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like 
you know, for the average consumer, are they going to look, or even just a whatever, a consumer look at a shelf and go, another one? You know? Yeah, I think. I just in, wonder yeah. if that's happening or not. I think definitely be, uh, that's happening, and it's because this game is very similar to the last game, yeah. right? It's not like this was Galaxy, so it's completely different, right? Mm-hmm. When Galaxy came out, it looked like no other Mario game before, right? I mean, obviously, I had the perspective from 64 and Sunshine, but it was all in space, new theme and everything, whereas World does look like land, right? Yeah. And New Super Mario Brothers Wii looked like New Super Mario Brothers. So I do think there's a little bit of a fatigue where people think they know what they're getting. Yeah, and, 3D and it's world, good. 3D it's world good is game, very good, and it's, yeah. it is different from 3D land, the yeah. way it feels and plays and stuff. But I think when people see it, they think it is similar. And so that's something where Nintendo really has to highlight the difference. And I worry that Donkey Kong Country is going to be the same way. It's like, well, that's... Again? I've, I've seen that game twice before, right? Yeah, like, yeah. That's where I feel like they need to mix these franchises up a little bit. More. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, in so yeah, Nintendo, take a break, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, hang in there. Hopefully, we'll we'll see some change. Yeah. Um, and some and some nicer game news. This is a topic we sort of missed, um, and I just want to kind of position this to you too, because I don't know if you. I didn't grow up uh, a big Sega fan, but anytime I went to the arcades and played a Sega arcade machine, it was kind of cool. Yeah. And uh, some uh, 3D classics have hit the eShop on Nintendo 3DS, and they're pretty damn good. Really? Yeah, actually, they're they're very good. Uh, we have one commentary going up uh, this weekend, or this week, excuse me. Uh, me and Mitch played um, Space Harrier 3D. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is a... These ports, uh, or at least in the case of Space Harrier, uh, a port of the arcade original. Um, so you're pressing a button like to insert a coin down to wow. like, something like that. Nice. Um, but they also added like layered sprites. Um, and some of these are really timeless games. We're talking about like Space Harrier, for example, was uh, it wasn't the first, but it was one of the few shoot 'em ups that instead of doing the, the vertical or the horizontal yeah, perspective, yeah. the camera was behind you. And that mm-hmm. game is like getting shot out of a cannon. Like you were flying forward with this blonde mm-hmm. hero who, for no reason, can fly in the air and hold a cannon and fire at things, the yeah. Harrier. And it's just really intense and really fun. It was made by Yu Suzuki. There's a name you ha- you probably don't even hear about in games anymore. And he was a legend at Sega. Yeah. Um, so they also have like Hang On. They have a a bunch of of you know. I'd like to for you. I don't know if you guys have any interest, but I think you should check them out. So I you know I I lived in Japan when those games were popular. And Japan Tokyo especially has this had this vibrant arcades culture. I mean, yeah. arcades were a place um, back in the '90s where people went to after a date and like you go and out, out for drinks with the people at the company that you work with and you go into an arcade and you hang yeah. out. So you see people, you know, in their in their 20s, in their 40s, you see some older people in arcades as well and they played they all played these games like mm-hmm. Hang On specifically with the the leaning controls, you know, yeah. the full bike That's one. Right. Space Harrier in Tokyo. I saw ginormous machines, you know. Sega was really proud of the graphics, so they put giant freaking screens up with that game and you could see it from far away and everybody's like Oh my God! This looks amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it all looks funny and dated now, but it it was so impressive to see that game. Yeah. God, I miss basically. arcades. Me too. Um, I think I miss arcades more than I, than I miss any of my ex girlfriends. <laughs> well, you could. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> like you're married now. Yeah. I'm engaged. I'm engaged. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you so should. I'm supposed to do that anyway. Yeah, but, you uh, shouldn't miss them. Anyway. No, I don't. Yeah. But I I really miss arcades. No, <laughs> same here. Because you can like walk in and discover something you'd never heard of. Yeah. And it's like, when was the last time we really discovered like things that maybe iOS is is the platform for that now, and that's why iOS almost feels like. I, I, this is not a great analogy, but to me, it is, it's felt like sort of the revenge of arcade. Sort of, of arcades yeah. Where, like, these sort of cheap, disposable experiences, some of them that you probably will never play again, but some of them that will really hook you and grab you in ways yeah. that you didn't expect. 
Um, and there's just that element of surprise there. Yeah, at least I just for what, what I what I loved stuff. about arcades was it wasn't just about the games; it was about the culture, and it was about the way these games were packaged. Like it wasn't yeah. on iOS, yeah. you can you can make a you know a ten pixel by ten pixel square called like Super Dots and put yeah. it up there and make a hundred mm, bucks. Sure. But on the arcade, you had to design a whole cabinet, you had to design a and they console were so layout beautiful. and everything. Yeah. yeah, they were they were gorgeous. To and you would see these things from across the room and be like, I only have four quarters one of them has to go inside each one of these things where is it going to go so yeah and, and part of that culture at least you know for, for me was going into an arcade and there there's huge ones in shibuya and shinjuku so two really vibrant districts um in, in Roppongi as well in tokyo and you'd walk into the shibuya arcade and you're like oh my god there's new machines right yeah and then one day they had a freaking um uh what's the uh, afterburner Oh they man! Had an afterburner set that, that was that was a giant. You sat in a rotating. Yeah, gyroscopic it's in Terminator thing. Two. Did you see insane. Terminator Two? That's it. Yeah. yeah. So it I walk in. The... I'm like, what the hell is that? And yeah. I'm like, oh man, it's just afterburner. But I gotta do it. And yeah. It's like yeah. Five hundred yen. It's like five bucks to play one. You can't game. do that at home. Yeah. There is no yeah. setup for that at home. That's mm-hmm. amazing. But you got really excited just seeing that stuff. And then we used to, whenever we went to the movies with um with our college mates, you know, we'd go out for drinks and you know go to a restaurant and then we'd always go to the arcade and you know everybody guys and girls all play like final lap any of the multiplayer games any of the link games yeah yeah it mm-hmm. was just great oh, sure so yeah. i have i have fond memories of all those sega games i wasn't a huge genesis fan back same then. here i had one i had a mega drive um primarily for for sonic and some of the rpgs back then which were great right yeah um I I, but I, did, I always loved the arcade machines. I, yeah. I bought a Genesis as well as a Super Nintendo, is because I remember when the the console wars first started when I was in sixth or seventh grade, and kids would get in the lunchroom and fight with each other about blast processing and Mario mm-hmm. Kart versus. Bo- and oh, yeah. I just I was like, you know what? Both of these things sound awesome. And I went home and I just started asking my parents, what kind of chores can I do? And I went up and down the block and I mowed lawns and I shoveled snow and raked leaves and all this crap. And I saved up money and I bought both systems. And then I came into school and people. People were like, this is better than this. And I was like, I have both. Shut up. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was great. It was a great feeling. And I, I do that to this day. I buy everything just to sort of be able to, to you be know. Mean to, to, to be mean to people. Yeah, that you need to buy your way into uh, cruelty. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, you guys should check it out. Uh, most of the games are $5.99 on the eShop. There's a special section dedicated to them. Again, this is on Nintendo 3DS. Uh, definitely worth your time if you're into retro gaming. You should, and these emulated ports are really good. Like, cool. you have a lot of options. You can invert controls, like a what lot was, of things what was like your, that. What would you recommend as, like, your favorite one? Um, so far, it's Space Harrier. Yeah. And it's weird because, so it has, uh, it has great music, um, and it's just again sort of it came out in 1985 so a lot of video game music was just a simple loop but it's a really good loop um and it's just really intense and it reminded me of those games and that's what i i sort of admire about it awesome it's it's cool that it's in 3d because that was one of the challenges i had with the arcade machine was just kind of figuring out when i'd get hit you know because you have to see how big the projectile is yeah 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 yeah. because back then it was just the same drawing of like a, a laser bolt but like each one was a little bigger. <laughs> they yeah. had 12 in this a row. This one has the beans, right? Yep. The shimmering beans, laser yeah. beans. So I'd yeah. like to take uh, the next five minutes to talk about um, a spoiler in Zelda A Link Between Worlds, but this is a huge spoiler warning. It's something that we didn't get to in the spoiler cast. Should we leave it at the end then? Maybe uh, we'll do, maybe we'll no, say I, goodbye. I timestamp, time oh, I guess. Yeah, yeah uh, we're short on time. 
All right, you have a meeting? No, you have oh, a meeting too. Okay, I can be late to that meeting. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's do it at the end. Then we let's can say goodbye end? to everybody who hasn't finished the game yet. Because uh, okay. I do think okay. that's a big spoiler. Yeah, it is yeah? a huge one. Okay, All right. damn it. Let's, All right. Uh, can we do some emails and then yeah. we'll jump to the end? Let's and then, crank through yeah. the other stuff. By the way, last last time we said uh, oh. that, that some sad countries don't have maps on the 3DS. Uh-huh. That's right. So I looked on my 3DS which countries there were. New Zealand actually has a map. But okay. um, <laughs> Austria, Greece, Norway, Poland, South Africa, Sweden, Brazil, Mexico. These are just some of the countries that come up without maps. How is that possible? Which, I mean, these are not unknown little nations. So, sorry, Liechtenstein, by the way, if anybody's <laughs> listening from Liechtenstein. Um, but, yes, your country is very small. I once drove through it and didn't know it. It took him 30 seconds. <laughs> a little longer. Um, but it's crazy that they, they need to add these. It's, yeah. just, it's just sad, man. Well, we talked to them about that. And, you know, just at least NOA says, yeah, we're working on that. But it's like, uh. So let's check in with our listeners. Um, you can email us at nvc at ign.com. And we read all your emails. And we reply to some via email. Some we uh, mention on the air. And some we don't reply to, even though we still love you. But we read everything. If you want your question read on the air, remember to keep it really short, right? Otherwise, um, Jose. He looks at his watch and looks at me angry. So first question is from, uh, you know, Erasmo Martinez tying into the sales. is like, after all the talk of the Wii U falling, uh, Wii U falling, uh, failing. Aha. I read a few articles claiming that the Wii U might be the top seller this holiday season because of its appeal to kids. And, I, you know, I think this is an example where you have to be really careful who says what, right? Mm-hmm. We report on analysts, too, and analysts are opinions, right? They yeah. talk to retailers and they do gather data, but they, they come up with their best bet. And it's their theories. Best, their yeah. best bet is just as good as your best bet because you're informed and you read websites, you know, or, or you know, Jose's best bet. So take those with a grain of salt. Um, you know, it would have been nice if they were the top performer. They definitely, you know, when you make, when you, I mean, combine the 3DS and the Wii U sales, right? Uh, and you compare it to Microsoft, who only has a home console. Obviously, Nintendo is looking pretty good, right? Of and course. They, they're selling to a, a broader audience. So definitely, when when it comes to kids, they they've got that naked mar- uh, that that market nailed. But um, yeah, Did let's you say naked market. Naked market. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. I when think it comes about. to kids, they've got that naked, naked market. market yeah. Oh man. Pear Schneider, NVC. <laughs> get get the thing. Yeah. Um, uh, don't get that thing, <laughs> please don't. <laughs> yeah, I, this was an interesting question from Colin Leah. Uh, what do you think the effect would be if Nintendo released an iOS Android attached controller that had to be used to play their games on those platforms? I think it would be incredibly beneficial to their company. It would serve as a selling point for their hardware and software such as Super Mario 64 HD on iPhone or Android, but it must be played with a peripheral controller device like the one by Logitech. What do you I think? Know, I don't think anything on iOS can really launch that you can't play on it with what it comes with. I just yeah. think that, I, I mean, I admire the idea idea and it shows you know that passion for nintendo and nintendo fans would probably eat that up some of them but i don't think any i don't even think apple would let that happen no it's such a weird i mean i I was in a controller i I was in an apple store the other day and they have this like they're they're finally allowing third-party plastic clunky peripherals that your phone they are now, shoves yeah. into and yep. they sell them in the store now but yeah and they make your phone look like an Atari Lynx yeah which it, looks like exactly crap. exactly yeah. and that defeats the whole like sleek design of yeah. buying an iPhone mm-hmm. and uh, I mean I have this every single time I see a game show up in the app store I'm like oh my god GTA San Andreas awesome 
oh wait, that's gonna control like crap. Okay. This is the, the I do this cycle every single time. Wow, mm-hmm. Lego Star Wars. Oh wait, it's gonna control like so, crap. So one thing I I think you know a full controller like those crazy snap on cradle things. I don't think it's gonna work because it kind of defeats the purpose of the devices being handheld, right? I think yep. once Apple gets more into the home, you know, they've started with the iPad, and obviously there's some Apple TV business coming in the future. I think that could actually be a viable option for Nintendo to have almost a channel slash controller. But I think here's the killer idea. If they released a miniature NES controller mm. that connects to mobile phones, and it's like a toy. It's not a replacement for the Wii U or the 3DS. It's like a little keychain toy. I like and that. And then that unlocks these freaking NES classics on those devices. Dude, come on. Every gamer is going to want to get that. It'd be me. cool if it, it was like, you know, a fraction of this, like a fourth of the size of the original NES controller, and it came with a little stand that you could pop out of the back of it. Yeah. Pop your phone up and start playing... It, Donkey Kong on it the train. It could basically be the attachment on your iPhone. Jose's your, making your, a, a your keychain control. You don't think that's cool? I think it's cool, but I don't think it would happen. And I don't, and I don't know. Oh. It would sell to like Nintendo fans, but I just don't think the mass consumer would say, hey, I want to buy no. this thing. To, oh, my God. Are you, yeah. If you put that in Urban Outfitters before every holiday, like every hipster in the world would eat that thing. And up. every they, every every There Japanese, are not that many hipsters. Every well, they, Japanese <laughs> girl would attach that yeah. to that. I mean, they, they, sell, they sell retro, kitschy crap that's half as cool as that idea. In, yeah. All of those stores, and they. All go right, there. I'll give you guys that, but I yeah. just I don't See, know. See, I like the idea of the, of the keychain thing because it's it means that you kind of always have it on you. Like mm-hmm. I, otherwise, I got to carry this clunky fake controller around with me all mm-hmm. the time that snaps onto my phone. Yeah. So, so Colin, make it happen. Just email uh, Reggie. And, yeah, and, kickstart and, that. Yeah, yeah kickstart <laughs> that. Oh, you're gonna get so sued. Um, <laughs> Cease and desist. Yeah, and and we had a couple of pa- people ask about the the Street Pass event, by the way, like Gabe Tron, Brad Buyer, like guys, you know, thanks for for um for following up on that. We definitely want to do this, so yeah. hopefully we can get that uh, going in February. Then we're you trying. guys, you guys will be able to meet all of us in uh, in person. It's cool. very scary. I yeah. gotta run to a meeting, but Jose is actually much larger than you think he is. He's, oh my god, he, what, like what are you? Six that's size, actually a, uh, that's a trivia question on IGN. How tall is Jose? <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta run. I love you guys. All right, All right. we'll I'll go through a couple of questions. Bye, NBC. Bye. Um, get the thing. Uh, some uh, so this guy, um, this guy Inkin Sarto Quadinaros, mm-hmm. which I really hope that's your real name and not a Star Wars character. Um, asked this question. Uh, is there a specific reason for most games, not just Nintendo's, not having the choice to change the language to the one used to develop it in? Like, in my opinion, playing a game like Mario or Zelda in Japanese would make the game more interesting. Hmm. And the work used to translate the games would appear to pay off better if there was only one published version um, with nearly all the languages used. And yeah, there, there is, right? I mean, the reason is RAM. Yeah, and storage space. Yep. Like if you just kind of replace one for one the audio that's spoken and the text, and you know, one for one is tricky because actually, English language takes up more character space mm-hmm. than than. Uh, than you can Japanese. do that on a DVD, yeah. but yeah, when it's yeah. a cart, your your resources are limited. I will say this though: I heard mm-hmm. that um, the digital versions of the 3DS guide uh, Louvre. Yeah. Um, they have separate versions for each language, but if you buy the cart, the cart technically works on any hardware. Oh yeah. So it, ha- it maybe it has all that crammed in. I'm yeah. not entirely sure. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine actually is going to Paris, so he's going to bring one back for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's weird. But I will say this: I, I being someone who just played uh, the recent Mario in uh, in Japanese. Yeah. Um, Japanese doesn't really add anything to Mario, and with Zelda, I mean, what would be the benefit? There are some games I think that playing in its native language could be interesting. I think mm-hmm. RPGs, for example, whenever they're spoken dialogue, I prefer the spoken language with subtitles. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I don't know if it really applies to every. Also, Rhythm Heaven's really good、yeah. uh, in Japanese. It's because、yeah. you're just kind of piecing together the game design, and I, it feels still really intuitive for something that isn't communicating with you in a language you know. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, it's common with,、uh, you know, animes and, and Japanese movies and foreign movies that could get released in the US、yeah. to have an alternate commentary track on the Blu rays or DVDs. And, you know, like watching a movie like My Neighbor Totoro in Japanese is just so much better because the original actors, even though they were dubbed by professionals, were just better. And the songs are even better in Japanese. So yeah, yeah. I totally get that you want to do that.、Um, it is not that hard to do it. And there no, are、yeah. RPGs that obviously let you switch to、sure. the Japanese language. Yep, Xenoblade did.、Um, yep. But、uh, it, does, it does take some extra work. Replacing is easier than, than having an option and building in this switchable option.、Um, and sometimes、uh, assets are in graphical form. So, like, if there's text on a sign, for example, that's a texture. So, do you really want to create a, a version of the game where the texture depends on what language you've set it、yeah. to? So, it, it, gets, it gets complicated. You know who、yeah. keeps、uh, language into account, by the way? Who, who,、uh, who? A segment of gamers that keep.、Uh, Language version into account, speedrunners.、Oh. Right now, Cosmo's、uh, speedrunning Wind Waker HD in Spanish because the text goes through a lot quicker. Yep, yep. Yeah, or it's, or it's、uh, shorter and whatnot. Anyway, next question comes from Pat Connor. Thank you for writing in,、uh, Pat749.、Uh, hello, NVC. I'm a gamer who doesn't own a television. Would you recommend buying a Wii U and using the gamepad as a standalone tablet at all times? If so, should I refer to it as either my, my Wii Vita or Nintendo 2SSXXL?、Yeah. <laughs> I think you could do it, but I think you have to be very careful because there are some prompts that require a screen for you to be able to switch、um, yep. you know, the, the input、uh, or the, what's being shown onto your gamepad. So. In theory, it can be done, and for most Nintendo published games, the process of switching to the gamepad is pressing the minus button, also known as select.、Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to third party games, each one of them has a different solution for how to do、yeah. it. Some embed them in weird parts of the options menu, some don't.、Um, but ultimately, all of them support it, but they, there's no uniform way to do it, which is always. Just driven me bananas. Yeah, some, someone try this out, but I think in Assassin's Creed, you have to have the television screen in order to get into the options menu to actually turn it to gamepad、yeah. mode, right? So you wouldn't be able to just plug and play on that one. Yeah. yeah. No, and even、uh, like Dragon Quest X in Japan, you have to click in, I think, one of the left or right thumbsticks to get it to、yeah. work, and you wouldn't even know that.、Yeah. Um, it's just, it's weird. If there was a norm where every game allowed you to switch with the I think just the, the TV button, button should do、yeah. it. I wish the TV button did it. If there was、yeah. just, once you hit the TV button, On top of the remote, you could just say, Hey, I just want to view on gamepad、cool, and、yeah. go, or something embedded in just the menu itself,、yep. rather than you know, this sort of shoehorned everyone does it a different way. So, you could try, but we don't advise doing it because the system is designed to have two screens, right? Like,、yeah. you're supposed to. You're supposed to start on the big screen and you know and flip things around. Yeah, and if you, even if you got a bundle with like Nintendo Land, even though I don't think Nintendo Land's bundled anymore,、mm -hmm. um, there are a bunch of mini games in Nintendo Land that you need two screens. So、yep. you wouldn't be getting the most out of that. So we got a really great, great email from Dan Edmondson in the UK, and he, it's a little long, but、um, let, let's let's read this one. Okay, you know, loves the podcast.、Uh, I have a question about digital download prices on 3DS and digital download prices in general on Xbox, PS, Wii, and so forth. I've recently purchased a 3DS, and I'm loving getting back into Nintendo games. However, I would love to go all digital with my games library, just like most of you have been suggesting. But on looking at the eShop, I was finding the prices of some of those games well in excess that you would pay at retail. I can understand new games, but even some less <clears throat> new, older games. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
uh, I decided to see how much exact uh, how much the exact difference uh, would be if you paid for digital opposed to retail as opposed to retail. I used Amazon and priced up 10 games that I'm interested in and then in, in turn priced them up using the eShop. The difference was 81 pounds, $133. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> so Wow. Uh, now, I don't mind paying a bit more for the convenience of having them digital, but that difference is pretty ridiculous. I find it similar on Xbox and PlayStation. Is it really just Steam that does digital games well? I know being in the UK doesn't help as we seem to always get ripped off, and it's true. Yep, you pay more. Well, but other yeah. prices, other prices the same in the States. Why can't the game companies just give us some competitive prices more match to retail? Would it make uh, would would make a lot more people go digital and and direct through them? So I will say this though: Steam does digital games. Steam does digital sales, right? Mm -hmm. In total, right? Mm -hmm. Out of all the digital marketplaces, Steam seems to have the most clued-in version of, "Hey, let's make this cheap. A bunch of people will come buy it, and they don't have to worry about the pressure." of brick-and-mortar retail coming after them or threatening to not sell their hardware, well, hey, Steam's a digital platform. Like, yeah. There's nothing and, retail can do about that. And, and the, the, decisive, the, the decisive factor with Steam is that retailers were turning their back on PC software already, yeah. right? Like uh, a store like GameStop sold sell, uh, stopped selling PC games very early on because mm -hmm. they felt like they weren't driving the numbers, they couldn't do the, yeah. the used resale, right? They really care about the used market, couldn't do yeah. that with the in installed PC games. And so Steam, the doors were open for Steam to negotiate with publishers and developers for really good prices and doing these sales, right? Yeah, and yeah. yes, if you're a PC gamer, you check Steam, it's ridiculous the amount of games you can get for your buck. I do wish, though, that these digital marketplaces would adopt some form of price matching or just to be aware, if Amazon's doing a sale so, on physical stuff, why aren't you pricing competitively against that? So, the, uh, you know, the, and you have to go back a little bit, right? The yeah. whole advent of, of digital versus physical goods um, the, there was always a very challenging uh, relationship between the publisher and the retailer. The retailer, you know, holds a lot of cards when it comes to promotion of a game and pushing mm -hmm. it. You can pay a retailer for end caps and, and in-store displays, but, you know, a retailer, if they really push your product, can make or break your game. And so you don't want to tick them off, right? Yeah. You want to make sure that they're your friend. If you do a digital release early or you price a game lower on digital, they're not going to push a game. And so that was yeah. the setup in the past, right? Yeah. It's loosening now a little bit, but now publishers are saying, huh, why should I push the digital version? I want retailers to still have high sales and be happy and continue to stock our future products. Right. right. So it's this vicious cycle where they want to keep the last remaining big retailers happy. Yep, yep. I, and it's weird because then Zelda Wind Waker HD is the only game, I think at least that Nintendo's offer, that has somehow kind of skidded around yeah. that, right? Because they had it on the eShop two weeks early mm -hmm. for any interested parties, and then you got the bundles uh, two weeks later, physical. Yeah. I mean, if it's any if it's any consolation, well, it's not really a consolation, but you... Well, wait, I'm sorry, just to correct myself, you actually got the bundle um, and the digital versions around the same time, but then you got the physical version two weeks later. Yep. Excuse me. Yeah. Physical uh, game disc, so, just to correct myself. So here's the thing. The, the, the thing. It's obviously more advantageous for a publisher to sell digital because they don't have to create packaging. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't have to all do all these things. They don't have to worry about uh, resale. So they have vested interest in driving these platforms forward, and they have to. I mean, we are going to have to get to a point where these guys are going to compete with Steam and you know the the stuff you can do on on Steam, uh, on, on on PCs because Steambox is coming next year, yeah. right? So low-priced PC devices that that 
perform a little better actually than yeah. consoles, um, cost slightly more, but have access to this huge Steam library of very cheap games. So yeah. they're going to have to compete on that. So that's good news. It's going to get cheaper. Um, yep. Second, you know, the Xbox One tried to usher in the advent of digital gaming, right? And people freaked out over the, you know, the inability to to resell their games and some of the, the DRM that they were doing. But that would have been a system where you could have bought a retail disc, installed it, and then you could have thrown the disc away effectively. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. didn't need it in the drive. And they had to revert that whole uh, thing based on feedback. Yeah. Um, and also just to point out, I think that uh, I have seen in Microsoft and Sony's camp that they have been actively trying to get digital sales happen like sale mm-hmm. prices happening more often yeah. um you'll see you know P- playstation plus sales or rewards mm-hmm. from that you'll see sections on microsoft store dedicated to hey this week dishonored dlc is 20 yeah. percent off i think though some of that stuff is still really embedded and hard to find in some cases but i like that they're doing it and nintendo is trying uh you know we, we the, we, we know that. I think the more you act on a digital sale, the more, you know, the the publishers will notice the success and push more sales, right? If yeah. they notice that dropping the price moves the numbers and actually makes them more money, um, you know, which happens on iOS all the time, by the sure. way, right? Like, games go free. And guess what? When they go free, they make more money, not yep. through microtransactions because the games get catapulted into the top 10 in the store. More people then see the game even when it is no longer free. Yep. And so, like, there are all these ecosystems that that these publishers still have to play with. Um, I, I'll say, you know, on, on PlayStation, you do, for the PSN subscription, get really good deals, right? Yeah. You get these big games that used to be 60 bucks a year ago, two years ago, you get them for free now. So, there is value being added to the digital realm. But, man, isn't it frustrating when you see Amazon selling Tomb Raider for nine ninety nine? Yeah, digitally it's twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah, I mean that's ridiculous. Right? Yeah, yeah. There's something has to be done. Yep. I feel at at some point. Um, I want to backtrack a little out of emails for a second. Do you have one more? Because there's something we missed actually that we should talk about, uh, and I just realized it. Do you have any more we want to read? or? Yeah, you know, we have... Um, okay, yeah, we've got one more. Okay, uh, One go more for it. from Stephen from San Francisco, so I hope that you will make it out for our you better. event. Um, there's been a lot of positive PR about the Vita Remote Play option for PS4. Do you think Nintendo has gotten too little recognition for the gamepad off-TV remote play capability compared to Sony? Why is this seen as such a great feature for PS4 when many critics were blasé about this option when N- Nintendo introduced it a year ago? Well, to be fair, I don't think critics were blasé. In fact... W- after Wii U launched, that was one of the big success stories coming out of Wii U's launch was, mm-hmm. hey, off-TV play is awesome. Yeah. The idea that I can share the television or share the living room, have someone else watching something else, and I can just continue playing my game is really comfortable, convenient. The games look good. Um, I feel like those stories actually were written, and it was very a pretty popular opinion. Um uh, it, almost to the point where like folks were like, hey, this is the messaging Nintendo was trying to get you to notice from yeah, the beginning, yeah. and you didn't all notice it until you took it home. Yeah. It's a shiny new factor, right? This is this is a new thing. I mean, Sony's been doing stuff with PSP tethering for yeah. a long time, too. Yeah, and remote even, play has never worked e- that well. Even before the Wii U existed. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's not like they haven't tried that before, mm-hmm. but it's actually working much better now with the Vita. And they did introduce some stuff like cross-buy, right? Where imagine you bought a game on Wii U and you also got to play it on 3DS on the go that's essentially what they have also introduced for some of these titles so i think those are great successes and worth worth uh, talking about on the sony front but i you know when the wii u came out we were all really enamored with the off-screen play it's like because it happened to everyone right you're like oh you know my wife wants to use the tv and you're like 
holy crap, I can actually continue playing. This is really great. It's just that we've gotten so used to it. So, you know, the only times we really remember the convenience is when a game doesn't have it. And we're like, oh, man, I wish it had off-TV play. But you're absolutely right. You know, Nintendo deserves credit for that, for making it super turnkey with the Wii U. I wish it was a requirement for any other studio to also do it the same way and have one button. But it's a cool feature. Yeah, no, definitely. And I I, I do feel like... uh, the only thing with remote play to take into consideration and not to sort of strike it down is just the cost factor involved. You have to mm-hmm. own a Vita on top of a $400 new piece of hardware. Yeah. Um, and I do agree, Nintendo is sort of cutting around that by having it in the box, although their struggle now is, well, how do we, outside of off-TV play, what else is sort of this interplay of two screens yeah. going to really do for you? Yeah. But yeah. The, that kind of, the handheld console to console tethering is cool. It's really, I mean, it is totally an option that does not get used that much on the sure, PlayStation no. because you have to have those two devices. But you could imagine that in the future, a company like Nintendo or Sony could use their handheld as their controller from the get-go. Instead yeah. of having the gamepad bundled into your Wii U, you would have the 3DS bundled into your Wii yeah. U, and then it gets really powerful because you can walk outside out of the house with the thing, right? Yep. So, yep. yep. All right. Uh, so I wanted to backtrack because we had a, a Miiverse update. Remember, mm-hmm. uh, the 3DS got a new firmware update that introduced unified wallets, not yes. unified accounts, but unified wallets, mm-hmm. a shared wallet, and uh, Miiverse. Mm-hmm. So you upgraded yours. I upgraded mine. What do you think? I was I was disappointed there was no new puzzle. <laughs> yeah, what's up? No <laughs> Link Between Worlds puzzle. What's the deal? We're maxed no. out, but obviously not everybody is. But yeah, um, no, I think it's That's great. A side I note. mean, look, it's a great first step. Um, the accounts had to be unified. Um, it, it's just so nice to not have to store the data like you know separately, and um, it's cool to have Miiverse on here. So I'm I'm really yeah. happy. This is this is the beginning of a switch to a unified Nintendo setup. It can only get better. You know yep. how you play multiplayer, how you see who is online. I'd love to use my 3DS to see who is online on the Wii U. You know, in the future when games like Mario Kart are out, because sure. then I'm like, all right, I gotta go play Mario Kart right now. So. I think it's great. I think yeah, I'm yeah. happy it's here. No, same. I, uh, Miiverse just needs to be a little faster. Outside mm-hmm. of that, I think it's fantastic. Uh, screen sharing was a cool surprise I didn't even consider, right, when Miiverse was coming through DS, that mm-hmm. out of the gate you'd have some games that would be able to do screenshot sharing and, you know, the cool Miiverse thing that you can do on Wii. Yep. So, yeah, one yeah. of one of our um, uh, listeners wrote in a concerned fellow parent who said, you know, is there a way to kind of link his kid's account into his with Club Nintendo? And, like, it doesn't seem to work. And so he reached out to Nintendo Customer Service to find out how and if that would ever work. And so we'll let you know what he reports back. But, yeah, I mean, I am... I am a parent who sometimes buys software multiple times too, right? I yeah. only get credit for one account unless you go through all these hoops and set up a, an account for your kids who, yeah. of course, cannot have an account because they're underage and blah, 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 sure. blah, blah. So it'd be great if, you know, the the company targeting families for some of the games had some more um, family-friendly setups, right? Okay. Like if I buy three copies of Pokemon, give me freaking credit for it, right? Like yeah, not yeah. just say, you've already entered that game, you know? All it's right. like, no, I bought it three times. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, and, and that's our, our main program this week. So a really quick announcement, and hopefully uh, you will take this while. As a matter of fact, wherever you are right now, have a seat. Take it easy. Relax. So for the rest of 2013... Barring uh, Nintendo Direct, uh, Nintendo Voice Chat, our Nintendo podcast, will be taking some time off. No. Yeah. yeah. Um, more to recharge and plan cool things. We have cool things in the works. Um, however, again, let me quickly restate. 
if there is a Nintendo Direct between now and the first week of January, we will be back with a show for you. Um, something shorter, but something for you to talk about whatever they talked about, which uh, I just don't anticipate them doing one until January, but you yeah. never know. Yep, yep. Um, so, yeah. Did you, so, you get a little vacation. We won't annoy you on your vacation. You can relax. And yeah. Re- Happy holidays. Well. Play games. Happy, exactly. Yeah. Play Zelda. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we'll be back, of course, in the... Oh, my voice is cracking. I'm finally getting... Yeah. Um, we will be back in the new year, and, you know, I think we're going to have some really cool stuff by yep. then. More and video. We're going to keep on doing the Zelda Let's Plays Although as well. Although I forgot the ep- the friggin' Zelda Ocarina of Time today. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to... We try to post them on Saturdays, except for all the Saturdays that we don't post them. They're, yeah, blame Jose know, when they don't go up, by they, the way. It's they, all my fault. They don't get a lot of viewers. Um, they, they do okay um, if you like them and you have friends who are into Zelda, please share them with yeah. them. And so, you know, the more people watch that kind of stuff, the more um, we get to do. Especially if you enjoy it. Yep. Yeah. So, do you want to go, uh, you know, if you haven't finished The Legend of Zelda, um, A Link Between Worlds? Well, let's wish them happy holidays first. Yeah, happy, right. holidays. happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Exactly. Happy Hanukkah. What else is there? So, um, yeah. Is Kwanzaa still a thing? Fröhliche Weihnachten. All right, there yeah. you go. So Feliz Navidad. Have a good one, and and uh, you know, see you all in the new year. If you have finished the link to the past, uh, linked between worlds, Jesus, um, stay around, because um, here comes Jose. All right, and uh, just for to complete this outro. You can find me at Jose Otero on Twitter, uh, Jose underscore Otero on Twitter. You can find Pear at I'm Pear IGN. You can find Brian at. At Agent Bizzle. Agent Bizzle. Yeah. And, and Should I perhaps? Yeah, if you're playing your Wii U slash 3DS and you want to follow someone, uh, my name um, is Pear-IGN. And actually, it's it's the same. It's either Pear-IGN or Pear-IGN, one word, on all of the consoles. If you want to friend me on any of them, um, just send me a message and say um, you, you listen to NVC or just put NVC if you don't want to type with the controllers so that I know you're an actual human being and not some spam bot. Sure, yeah, I'll same here. You. Jose Otero and uh, Sushi X on uh, Nintendo Network ID. Yep. Cool. So now, really quick, Zelda. So, Pear, you finished Zelda, right? Yeah. We had a spoiler cast about Zelda, yeah. right? We didn't talk about Gramps. No. What happened there? Uh, so, yeah, there are these rumors, right? If you talk to the rumor guy in the forest, he'll tell you that Gramps in Kakariko has is very powerful right yeah. he's very skilled he's the guy who uh tells you about the darklings and mm-hmm. you fight them and stuff and yep. there's there's some hidden secrets around that guy yeah you know first of all he's powerful and he can do handstands with one hand so yeah he's clearly not your average grandpa yeah and mm-hmm. and interestingly enough in the in the credits then at the end of the game where they sort of recap on every character and they show a quick portrait turn that shows mm-hmm. you know hey this is what irene's doing mm-hmm. and here's what gully's doing i've I f- from the minute I finished the game, I was kind of surprised that they hit one of the more um, sort of upbeat orchestral portions of the song, and then the portrait flips over, and they show him. Yep. And I'm just like, well, what's up with that? Uh-huh. I don't get that. Like, you're almost calling out the Legend of Zelda theme here, if I'm, yep. tr- I'm trying to remember where it was in the ending. And you flip that. So immediately in my head, it was this guy is one of the old Links, or this guy was Link uh, in one of the previous games. And uh, I said that around the office, and most people thought I was crazy Mm because I only had that and the rumor to go off of. Mm -hmm. However, now um, in the office, we found out what happens when you finish all the challenges at the end of the game, the Street Pass challenges. So, again, for a quick recap, Street Pass challenges um, 
can be achieved by defeating the shadow links with specific weapons or within specific conditions. Yeah. Um, some so of for them example, like a you, 10 second win. Yeah, if like that. 10 second win or you use the fire rod or something mm -hmm. to, to finish the match and yeah. you use a fairy. Like th those are all challenges, like achievements, right? So yeah. if you get them all at mm -hmm. the end of the game, you get to fight against Gramps mm -hmm. uh, and he is your final challenge. And he says uh, his bounty is five rupees. <laughs> <laughs> But he is also really powerful. He has uh, a level three master sword, a Hylian shield, um, and maybe that stuff's just there for you know no reason. But it almost feels too convenient, right? It feels like it was an active nod to that. There's more to this character, um, and I have to check because uh, a link between worlds is not out in Japan. Mm -hmm. But when it is out, whatever that rumor guy says, mm -hmm. if it's also it's similarly translated to the same thing, then we know for sure this was intended by the design team. Because yeah. just to point out for reference for folks, localization does sort of do things sometimes that you know they can do because it's part of localizing that product and making it palatable for a Western audience. So sometimes something that they reference in a, a localized game wasn't in the Japanese original. For sure, yeah. I mean, think yeah. back to Miss uh, Legend, uh, Legend of the, the Mystical Ninja, where they turned the main characters Chinese. Yeah. In like the most Japanese of Japanese games. Exactly. Right? So, yeah. 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 So, so that's that's the theory. We'll keep yeah. an we'll keep an eye on that, and I think it's a great theory. If that is the link who finished one of the previous adventures, maybe the a link to the past link, right? Mm -hmm. who, no. Still, who settled down and lives in in Kakariko Village. That's you cool. Know? Like that is awesome. Yeah. Like I I, like I would love for them to build out that connection more, and it is, you know, it's just such a cool setup to have this this example of a link actually existing in the same timeline and being being accessible i think yeah. it's just really cool yeah yeah and this could all be complete like <laughs> completely wrong it, but it, it just, just seems it just fits so well right? it does and it fits uh, really well yeah and and we've we've talked about this in the past this game obviously has references to majora's mask all over mm -hmm. too right yeah. there are all these things like call outs to wind waker you God, saw if, those paintings those yeah, pictures yeah. where you see the little leaf kids yep yeah, yeah. yeah. so maybe grams is an old link. Usually the link you see at the beginning of a game in these tableaus and, and you know, the pages of, of old lore and maybe that's him. Yeah. yeah. It's great trivia. Yeah. If not. I wish he I wish he lived in Splendor and had like a nice car or something. <laughs> you know, not, not yeah. just you don't know. Sad old grandpa. Yep. Instead of doing handstands and one finger push ups. Exactly. All right. Well thanks for listening. We will see you in twenty fourteen, barring any changes. Choose.